churches who want you to follow them. Um, you have churches who want you to come up under their church culture. I, I don't want to be a part of your culture, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in saying, how can I take this faith thing? You show me how to take my mustard seed faith and make it unmovable. Show me where I can find that and implement that in the Bible. That's what we should be doing at church. Welcome to Thrive NX, a podcast for the person who expects to thrive exponentially in every area of life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Stephanie Hampton Craven. Hello and welcome back to the Thrive NX podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie, and tonight I'm so pleased to have as my special guest, April Jarrett. April is the founder and CEO of Beloved Empowers. April and I go way back years when we first met, and we have been fast friends ever since. I'm sure just listening to that first intro, the comments that April made, made you want to tune in to see what else is going to happen in the Thrive NX podcast tonight. So please, please join me in a conversation I've been having with April all about how to thrive in one area that is so essential to your development, to your peace of mind to your success, and that's thriving spiritually. April has a framework that she calls the Simply Faithful Lifestyle. Please join me in welcoming April Jarrett to the Thrive NX podcast. April, welcome. This morning, my prayer was, Lord, don't make me, don't allow me to be like the Dead Sea where things flow in, but they get caught in me. And I began to hoard what I've been given, whether Mm -hmm. it be the sermons that I've heard or the programs that I've been able to participate in in my church or the Bible readings that I do. Are those things being, you know, ingested and not allowed any exit points in my life? Let me be like the scripture that says, out of my belly flow Mm -hmm. rivers of living water let me be a river and not a reservoir where the majority of my time is spent letting things that I hear from God experience with God and learn from leaders who are uh, called to teach me and help me to grow into that person God has called me to be and then as you say live that simply faithful life because there have been times in my life when I've been extremely frustrated with the organized religious Mm -hmm. walking out of my faith. I have been, I've been told crazy things by people in the church. I mean, downright crazy, mean, 
um, discouraging things. You know, church hurt is real, but I think it's so important that we realize that when the Bible says, guard your heart, that includes the church. And so, you know, we have to be careful who we allow to speak into our lives and what we allow people to say over us. And, you know, had I allowed some of these things that were said to me, put enough fear in me to not move forward, I wouldn't be doing anything that I'm doing today. And I definitely wouldn't be living in this, this freedom, you know, that I found through my faith, right? Like one, of the, one of the scriptures that really resonates with me is like, Christ set us free so that we could be free. And then a little further down, that's in Galatians 5, but a little further down, it's like, don't go back to the bondage. Like you're already set free. Don't go back to doing those things and hearing those things and saying those things, right? And so though, that was one of the things that Christ set me free so, so that I could be free. I would say that to myself, you know, so many times when you and I met and, you know, I had done this time, spent some time over in Uganda and I came back and immediately the church felt like I should be a minister. You know, and all right, I'll try it. You know, I always knew I was never meant to uh, to minister per se in the church. And so when I began through going through that minister and training process at the church, um, there were always points of contention because I questioned, I asked questions, and that wasn't taken well. And so, um, you know, the leader of the MIT program, you know, he, I think he probably pulled me aside three, four times, you know? Yeah, that was a radical girl. You were radical. I was was called, that's what I was told. You know, you want to fight the system and, you know, you, you need to conform, you know, you need to, this is the way we're going to do things. If you want to be a part of this program, this is how we're doing it. And, um, I would always say, I know that my calling isn't the pulpit. So if this training is only training me to come and serve in your church, then perhaps I need to walk away from it. I was never, I never allowed it to um, scare me into conforming. I never did. And I think that's why there was such a point of contention, but I always led with truth. I always led with truth and I always remained peaceful and I never took things um, personally, I guess. You know, I never let it sink in. I always guarded my heart. I've done that for a very long time, but the church had a problem with it because I would say, I don't want to serve in the church. I want to go out. So then, you know, what they would do is they would say, okay, you want to go out? You can go and serve in this ministry and go speak, you know, at this place or whatever, you know, serve communion to the elderly or, you know, go visit somebody sick and shut in. But I still felt like it was still within certain constraints. So why does my faith have to be put within these boundaries that you can control? And that is a problem that I've had with the church because I don't believe from what I have read in my Bible um, and based on my relationship, personal relationship with the Lord, that I'm supposed to be controlled by the church on what they see is okay and necessary or where they feel like I'm called to go or where they feel like I'm qualified to do. Because my qualification comes from God. My calling 
comes from him. I think that's what we've been talking about. When I talk about the Thrive Life, this is what I've been hearing from God. This is what I am contemplating on right now to be able to help people move forward. Because I think there was a missing element and a missing ingredient that kept people from achieving what I call the exponential thrive, thrive in X, thriving exponentially. And that key ingredient was courage. I think about that movie, The Wizard of Oz, which is what makes the muskrat guard his musk? (laughs) Courage. Mm -hmm. And we have it. It's in us. But that, uh, that revelation, that knowledge that we're going to have to now pull upon that sense of courage in order to thrive. It's to doing exactly what you're talking about right now, April, and not allowing someone to say that you're a radical or you are so diametrically opposed to the basic fundamental truths. And you talk about speaking your truth, the basic fundamental truths of the gospel and the basic fundamental truths of what it means to be aligned with Christ, to be one of his followers. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you a question about that. But I believe that we need that courage to speak truth. You've done some of that and you're able to speak up without feeling like you are um, an apostate. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just put that word out there, that you're an apostate to the gospel. And people will have you believe that. If you don't do things like I want them done, then you're not with me. If you can't do this the way I think you ought to do it, then you must not be saved. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what draws, that was, that's what thrust the people away because God made us so unique in, mm-hmm. in, in us. He didn't want automatons. He didn't want robots. He wanted friends. Yep. yep. And, and I believe listening to you, I see a shifting in what it means to walk out your faith. I think you said that we had a false sense of security and confidence when we could go to church and we didn't have to read our Bible every week. We didn't have to, you know, have an intense relationship with God for ourselves. We could just siphon off of someone else's relationship on Sunday morning and Mm -hmm. then it could get us through to the next week. And then all of a sudden that got shut down. And I believe, even for myself personally, as a minister, I've had to deal with the fact that I wasn't as strong in some areas. I didn't have that simply faithful, you know, consistent relationship. Mm-hmm. And it became, it became, you know, a little bit of an ebb and flow for me during mm-hmm. the pandemic. But I think you're absolutely right. We do have to uh come together. We do have to be courageous about maintaining our faith. And that faith mindset says, that if it's not working, if it's not something, if it does not, I guess the the key word is resonate with who I'm being called to be. I have that right to say that's not, that's not me. Mm-hmm. And not feel like I just. Unapologetically, right? But it's knowing who you are in Christ that gives you the confidence to, to say, first of all, you know, there people will dismiss you. You don't want to do it this way, then like you like you just said, you're not with me. You have to get to the point where you say, that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, you don't want to be connected to them. You Your ultimate goal is I'm with God and God is with me. So that means if this uh, relationship needs to break for the sake of me staying with God, that's worth it. That's right. That's, that's worth it. So it's like never allow 
um, a relationship to come in the way of that. Never allow a person to come in the way of ultimately your relationship with God and being in good standing with him, because that is where your, your abundant life, you know, comes from. Not from being connected to this amazing church or this amazing ministry or these, this group of people, you know. So. If, if, if you were a disciple, if you were one of the 12 disciples, which one would you be? Um, that's a good one, Stephanie. If I was one of the 12 disciples, I can probably, I can, I relate to a few of them, but I would say, um, I don't know. I mean, Peter's popping to the top of my head. Um, I think a lot of his actions and responses to watching Jesus probably are very similar to what mine would be. Um, yeah, I've been looking at, you know, what did it take him to to walk on water why he did it why did he do it and none of the rest of them did it what was the difference between him and them mm-hmm. and um because i find a lot of times you know that's what we're trying to do we're trying to walk on water right like we're trying to walk out our faith how do i walk out this space how do i step out here on this water i ain't no way it's gonna hold me up you know <laughs> but i see jesus out there and if he's he out there if he, i want to be where he is if he can do it, it. Yeah, and that's it. It's being taking God at His word, right? Um, following Him blindly, fully trusting Him that He's got you. And Peter knew that. He knew that. He knew it enough to take the first step and learn a lesson from that. And so, I would probably say Peter for that reason. And also, Peter didn't take no mess. <laughs> yeah, he didn't take no mess. And I'm at a point in my life where. I'm not here for the mess and the nonsense and the drama. Like, I'm not going to even give it the energy to entertain it. You know, some people may call that dismissive and I may even agree with you, but I'm going to dismiss that before it takes the energy I need to be doing this. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. That's where I am too, April. I love the church. One of the first pictures that I have when I was a little girl is me standing in the middle of the uh, front of the church and, and around me and behind me is my entire lineage, my family, oh, wow. my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather, my aunts, and they're standing behind me and there's little Stephanie and she's standing there with her cute little dress on and her oh, shoes at the that front is of a treasure. the altar. Yes, the front of the altar. So church has always been a part of my life, but I've, I, so I love it. And I will fight for it because mm-hmm, I believe absolutely. clearly that the Bible says that upon this rock, I will build my church. But he says, I, mm-hmm. I will build it mm-hmm. and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I think the church is here to stay, but in what form? Mm-hmm. And I believe, as you say, it's really important to see Jesus as he is the example for us as he walked out his faith and he was clearly attached to the mm-hmm. synagogue. Clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was a very regular part of his life of his, you know, but it wasn't, but he wasn't dependent on it. Right. And he had his own mm-hmm. individual um, personal time with the mm-hmm. father. And he mm-hmm. also had some times when he turned over some temple tables. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, something that is really needful for us when we see that the church has become not what it was ordained and designed to be. 
then it is it comes to a point where we have to turn over some things in, for us personally. So, you know, we talked uh, off off um, line a little bit this year about your relationship with church and that you've made some discoveries this year for yourself and your family mm-hmm. about what it meant to find that particular body of believers that was right for you. And mm-hmm. you had to make some decisions this year to walk out your Simply Faithful um, journey by changing churches. Are you willing to talk a little bit about what that decision was and why you had to make sure. it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that decision for us, it was it was uh, a hard decision. We did not come to it fast or easy, but we knew it was necessary. So we went ahead and moved. We didn't want to stay longer knowing that staying longer would just bring more frustration and conflict. Um, but yeah, we left the church because of the racism, the systematic, just subtle racism that we just saw throughout from the top down. Um, the church that we have found, their platform was we are a multicultural church. That was the platform that they stood on. That was what drew us in. We really believed that we wanted to be uh, within a within a church that just really had all cultures, all people. That was really important to us. And when we got there on surface, it definitely appeared to be so. But the longer we were there and the more we got involved, the more we found out that that was only accepted up to a certain point, which was basically like background singing on the praise and worship team, not even leading. And so um, we started realizing that this is not a church of multicultures because we aren't being reflected or heard or seen uh, anywhere higher than that. I even remember we went um, and talked to the pastor about, hey, can we get music that speaks to more than one audience? You know, like, can we just intertwine some different types of songs? We have different cultures in here. And it wasn't just black and white. There were multiple, multiple different cultures in the church. And, you know, that is when they started telling us that we were troublemakers and trying to take over and just all sorts of things. I realized that they were operating in fear. Um, And I spoke to that. I said, there's no reason to operate in fear. We want to feel included. This, This is not feeling very inclusive. This is feeling like we're welcome as long as we keep quiet and just go with the flow. Um, And it just wasn't taken well. We had a few conversations um, or we tried to have a few conversations, but they were very dismissed, very easily and quickly dismissed, um, or they were responded, um, they were responded with, um, responded to with attack, with attack. And so, you know, we just made the decision if, if we can't even have a conversation about something that's so relevant to your congregation, we got to go. We're not okay with it. We've let you know from our experience what's happening, not just to us, but these are other cultures who are attending. And, uh, you know, you they were like literally not willing to talk about it at all. So we left, um, you know, after talking to the pastor and letting them know what was going on. This is, this is what's going on. This is, has been our experience. We left. And it was hard. Um, it was hard on the kids to leave because obviously they had their children's church and their friends there. 
that they loved. It was hard for the congregation because my husband and I were so heavily involved and uh, in the forefront as much as they would allow. So from, you know, surface level, it looked like it really from the surface level looks like, yeah, this is a multicultural church. But anything at the top, anything past singing, like I said, background on praise and worship was one perspective only. And you weren't even allowed to speak on it. You couldn't even get in the room. I mean, forget a seat at the table. You weren't even coming in the room. Uh, they weren't going to hear of it. And so, you know. So as we build we this whole thing called the church, the body, that's one of my areas of passion is that, as you say, to allow uh, you know people who are different and diverse to have a seat at the table. I think it's important for the growth and the health of any organization to make sure that you are open to different perspectives. That's the idea of inclusivity and the, um, and the only thing that will help us come together as Mm -hmm. a body, but you, you are right. The thing that hinders inclusivity is fear, fear that if I give you something, it takes something away from me. This kind of zero sum thinking that what I've built is so absolutely phenomenal and so beautiful that mm-hmm. it cannot stand an adjustment or change or an infusion of a different belief. Mm-hmm. I I know that had to be tough for you as you shared that it had to be a tough decision. And I, I'm just hopeful that, first of all, I'm, you know, my prayer for you all is that if you, if you haven't already, that you'll find that place that in, includes you. Because if you don't include people, what that means is for that person, they feel like they can't flow freely that they can't be the best version of themselves because you're not allowed to just grow exponentially like you can't break out of the pot that you're in and Mm -hmm. um i i just had some plants i had to repot this year because they were suffering in that Mm -hmm. small environment that i put them in and i didn't have the grace to give them additional space I'm hoping that the church is learning from this idea of the pandemic because because of the pandemic, I can get church from different perspectives. I can get my my prayer time from a pastor who's powerful in intercession. I can mm-hmm. get my, you know, my training and my teaching from a pastor who's powerfully deep in, you know, the word. I can get my praise and worship from someone who flows in prophetic worship. And so I think we we do have to really do it like Jesus did it because he chose 12 and you could not find a more diverse group of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing the you know, the things that those disciples, the, the people who they were before they became his disciples, the, those those are the things that keep us, you know, we draw the line. I can't be associated with that type of person, right? But if Jesus brought them in as his inner circle, what, something's wrong, Mm -hmm. right? We have to stop being afraid to be associated with people who don't, you know, look like the church, act, act like the church, who don't fit within the parameters of what the church says you should be if you're going to be a believer, right? 
So we exclude the church has excluded many people for for ever. <laughs> like for for so long the church has excluded instead of included. Mm-hmm. And and that is where we are falling short because we are meant to be a refuge. It, how can I bring you to Jesus if I won't I don't even make you feel comfortable coming into the building? Uh, right. I won't okay. associate with you outside of the building because, you know, I don't feel like your lifestyle is what I want to be associated with. Those are things that make people feel excluded. And so how then are we now preaching to you to come to Jesus when we're teaching you or by showing you that you're not accepted here? So a faith walk, and especially as we walk it out in the church, the church has some makeup work to do, I believe. Mm-hmm. If I were an instructor and this was a year the church was in my classroom and I saw some of the the assignments that the church has turned in, and I mm-hmm. mean the church universal, as, and I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. limit this to the church in America. So let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's go there for a second, because I think that that's one of the things that uh, faithful working out is to be able to look and examine. I, I'm not a judge. I'm just going to mm-hmm. be inspecting the fruit that you bear, that you're bearing. And I want to look at your assignments. And as a teacher, I just want to see how you have mastered the material that you've been given. And I'm looking at the church in America and I'm thinking, what happened to our faith walk as it mm-hmm. pertains to the body of believers associated with an organized, um, I guess, church family. We have on one side church that is, you know, polarized and and saying that, um, and I'm going to try to be very careful about this, April, we have a church on one side saying that, you know, you have, uh, let me just go there. On one side, the church is saying that we have election fraud and we have to place our faith in um, a leader who is obviously not walking out the tenets of the church. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, we have uh, a body of believers who are extremely wounded by what that same leader is espousing. And mm-hmm. now it looks like the church is schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. And there's a world looking on who cannot, cannot, you know, make sense of what the church is now talking about. How has that affected, in your opinion, people who are unchurched and who maybe are not, have not embraced faith, how has that impacted them? How has that drawn them? Or has it um, sent them screaming from anything that looks like uh, I guess a, a a relationship with with God that could be actually lived with other people. Yeah, I think the church in in the state that we're in now definitely divided. Um, definitely um, pers- persuaded, I should say, by politics at the moment. Um, I think that it has really, you know, if you look from the perspective of an unbeliever, why would I want to be a part of something like that? You guys can't even, you know, come together yourselves. You guys don't even know what you believe yourself, right? Because you have two very prominent beliefs right now and very opposite mm-hmm. <laughs> of one another. So which one is it? Like, you're both saying you believe in God. You're both saying you're following God. 
and you're doing two totally opposite things. Why would I jump in the middle of that? So as an unbeliever, you know, I'm not really seeing that happen for the church in America right now. Um, I think those who are going to come are going to come independent of the church. They're going to come because they have found, you know, either through relationships with other people um, or their own, um, they'll find Jesus independent of the church. I feel like that is a wave that's getting ready to happen. And I think that's so what I was talking to earlier um, when I was saying we, when we are walking out our faith outside of the church, um, not necessarily walking out like, well, I'm from such and such church. So you'll never hear me. I'll never lead with that. I never lead with I'm attached to this church because I don't want you to know me as being attached to this church. I want you to know me as being attached to God and sharing his love. And I think the more that we have the opportunities that the pandemic has given us to walk out our faith unassociated from an institution, <clears throat> that is the way I think the new wave of Christianity is going to happen right now in this season. People are going to come, but they're not going to come because of the church. They're going to come because they found God in this this person helps them see or experience God, you know, in that way. Well, you know, you talk about small faith habits that you, you have, and, and that's why you found it beloved in powers. So mm-hmm. the small faith habits that you have that are part of your everyday life that just come as naturally to you as breathing um, are part of your faith walk. You said you don't lead with, I'm a member of this church, or you don't lead with, hey, I'm, you know, I'm April. I want to invite you to my church. Well, April, what do you lead with? Um, I lead with just genuine, genuine, genuine faith and genuine friendship. I probably lead with genuine friendship first. It's one of those things where people don't really care what you have to say until they can see how much you care. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I really try to get people to see um, or to realize that I see them and I hear them. Um, because until you can make that personal, it's the same with God. Okay. Right. We don't go to God until we realize that you see me, you hear me, you care about me and you're, you've got me. Okay. It's the same thing in relationships with people. The fastest way to turn somebody away from God is to preach at them. But the easiest way to bring them to God is just to love them. And so if you can lead with genuine friendship. I see you, I hear you, I can help you, right? I'm here for you, whatever, I support you. There, that in, in itself, that speaks for itself. And so, you know, eventually you get around to direct, you know, verbiage that's talking faith. You get there, you know, but it's as the relationship is genuinely building. That's what I have found. So I just, I lead with that. A lot of times, you know, I, I sneak in things about myself if I'm first meeting someone um, because it's important to me that someone who first meets me knows who I am at my core. And so I will always, you know, in first meeting someone, you'll hear me say something like, you know, well, I was praying about it or, you know, I read my Bible this morning, I found blah, blah, blah. I'll speak about myself, um, my own experiences with it because I think that, uh, freeze people up to say, ah, okay, this is a safe place that I can say something like that. And so I lead that way. You know, eventually if we ever get to, hey, what church do you go to? I'm looking for a church or something like that. But 
that's probably the only way that that would come up in a conversation with me. If you specifically ask me, or if you're looking for a church and I might recommend something, but outside of that, I'm not very interested so much in that as much as I am about the condition of your heart. And when people know that you're concerned about the condition of their heart, that makes the biggest impact. So how, how do you lead this simply faithful life? Because in my experience, it hasn't always come across as being a simple execution of your faith. It's been a lot of very, sometimes very restrictive rules and regulations and kind of, you know, you need to be morphed into what is traditionally seen as a Christian. How is that simple by any stretch of the imagination? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, when I was coming up uh, with trying to figure out how I was going to, you know, I guess, name this and how I came up with the name Simply Faithful, um, I had to realize that simple doesn't mean easy. Simple just means uncomplicated. And so when it comes to faith, faith is it's very uncomplicated. We we complicate faith as we complicate, overcomplicate all sorts of things. But faith from a bib- biblical perspective is very straightforward, very uncomplicated. There's not much to it. Now, uh, in the same stretch, what you were describing is how hard faith is. So you got to realize that simple does not mean easy. Faith is hard because it takes um, discipline. It takes courage. It takes consistency. But if you look at it from a practical standpoint, so does everything else. And if you're willing, if you're wanting to grow in any area, those are the things you're going to have to develop. You're going to have to develop discipline and grit. You're going to have to develop consistency where it just becomes a part of what you do. Um, And so I talk about, you start out with these tiny things. And for me, you know, what resonates, what comes to my mind all the time is, you know, if you grew up in the church in any capacity, you've heard mustard seed faith, right? And it's like, all you need is a faith of a mustard seed, but then what? And so it's so important that you realize that your faith is never meant to Day the size of a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. Everything that Jesus tells us to do is meant to nurture the seed so that it can grow, right? And then, you know, you have the scriptures, blessed is the one, you know, um, who follows the ways of the Lord because he is now planted at the river, deeply rooted. That's the goal. Mustard seed is not the goal. Mustard seed is keeping you a baby in your faith. That is getting you started and and that is your connection, right? But you don't want to stay there. You want to grow so you can be unmovable, so you can be a pillar for others to see. And so, you know, you can't grow a seed. A seed is a seed. You can't grow it unless you nurture it. And that's the thing with your faith. The small habits that I believe are very vital and critical to growing in our faith um, I, I didn't make them up. There's just, I got them out of the Bible and decided to go ahead and do it. So just, April, you've tried everything else. Let's try and doing this exactly how they say it. You know, I take scriptures like, you know, 
take the word and put it on your forehead and I, you know, wrap it around your neck, right? So basically, you know, read it day and night, teach it to your children. You know, there was a reason that that was put in the Bible because that is how the word is the protection. The word is how we guard our hearts. The word is what gives us the guidance and how to maneuver through this crazy life, right? The word is our safety net. It's our fallback. And so I just said, I'm going to find, I'm going to figure out how to read this Bible every day. But I didn't want to do it from a perspective of obligation because then I knew I would grow to hate it or resent it. And I knew I wouldn't grow even though I was reading it. I wouldn't retain it because I was I was doing it with the wrong motive. And so, you know, I had to come to a place of like, how can I enjoy reading my Bible? And so I had to shift my perspective because ultimately God, God doesn't need you to read, read the Bible. He doesn't need it. He's not taking attendance, right? Wow. And if you if you don't read it, okay, because it doesn't hurt him, but it definitely hurts you. It definitely holds you back. I was talking to Colette and I said, what is the hook? Why do people sign up for Christianity? It's the abundant life right. and what that means. That's the hook. But you have to work to get the abundant life. You, you, it doesn't come automatically. And there are things that you have to know that you can't know unless you get to know God's word. These are the keys that open up the abundant life for you. And so, yeah, I found a way to read my Bible, looking for life, looking for um, direction. I'm always looking for something when I'm reading my Bible. That is what is interesting to me. I didn't start out that way. At first, I just wanted the habit, but now I'm like, what can I learn today? Right. And so I read my Bible from that perspective. Sometimes it helps me in my relationship with my kids or a friend. Sometimes it helps me, you know, um, knowing what direction I need to go in with the ministry. You know, I mean, all sorts of things. Sometimes it says, April, sit down, you're tired and it's okay to rest. So there are so many things that I get from it. And because it's a living, breathing word, it always speaks. You said that the hook was the abundant life. Jesus said, you know, John 10, 10, um, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Mm -hmm. But I have come that you might have life. And I'm calling Mm -hmm. that the thrive life and have it more abundantly, more, more abundantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the hook to me that says, I've got this abundant life for you. You can live it. It's through me. But there is an alternative to that abundant mm-hmm. life. I also think that there have been people who have used God as a as another kind of a hook that, you know, that hook that says you can fear him, that you're afraid if you don't read your Bible, that, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to hell, not the pull toward abundant life, but it's the fear from, you know, being consumed. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what people have done. And so if you get people in by fear, you have to keep them fearful, leading you to Christ because you're afraid. Then the only way I can keep you in Christ is to keep you afraid. But if I lead yeah, you to Christ absolutely. for the joy that comes um, from, from having a connection with the God of the universe, then that's the thing that drives you and you're into a deeper relationship with God. Absolutely, Stephanie. It's like, you know, 
people go to, they go to the church to be fed, but what happens to the one who learned how to cook? Hmm. So it's so important that we begin to read for, we have to know for ourselves Mm -hmm. because it protects us from being misled. It's a, it's your knowledge is your protection. So you can't come and tell me God said this when I read for myself the exact opposite in the Bible, right? Or I read for myself and I know that you're taking that out of context. That's not the way that it was meant to be. So we can't be misled when we have our own knowledge. I talk a lot um, with Simply Faithful. I talk about firsthand knowledge and secondhand knowledge and Mm -hmm. to stop, um, you know, having this secondhand faith because it's not lasting. It doesn't protect you. You only know what somebody else told you. You don't know anything for yourself. And when you begin to read your Bible and begin to communicate one-on-one with God for yourself, then you get to know things. Then you have this firsthand faith that's unmovable, it's unquestionable because you know it for yourself, Right. period. That's right. And nobody can take that from you. You talk a lot about building your own faith life, taking total responsibility for your own faith life. It's important to let nobody rob you of your faith walk with God. And it's definitely in the Bible. I think it's, I want to say it's in Colossians. And it says, don't allow, um, what does it say? What does it say? Don't be misled by preachers and teachers. Mm -hmm. That's in Colossians. So it's, it, it guards you. It's like your faith is personal. Know it for yourself. Get to know God for yourself. It's so important. That's biblical. And that's why I say make faith your own. Because when you do, that is when you are on your way. Things begin to line up and you begin to realize actually what abundance is. Because I think coming into it, we don't even really know how to define what is the abundant life. Mm Right, you because know? we haven't lived it. We haven't Absolutely. lived it because outside of God, you just really can't find it. And I mm-hmm. think I can be unapologetic about saying that. It's often, you know, times I've been trying to, you know, I tried to hold people to, you know, like, let me just not offend you or let me not, you know, say anything. Let me just let you find your own way. But I can just say right now, unapologetically, in my 61 years of life, I have not found true happiness outside of my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, April, tell tell us about this thing you call God Girls and Beloved Empowers. Share what that is and how you're helping women come together in a group and what you call a huddle and live out their faith. Yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of I dined this God Girls and that is just, you know, other women of faith. Um in my sphere of influence, right? So I'm always on the lookout, who are my people? I move quite often because of the military. And so when I get somewhere, I need to know where are my people? Mm-hmm. And you know, when you can lead with faith and find other women, you now have a support system, which I call the huddle, where you have a safe space to grow, to learn, to, um, strategize I think within the huddle if you think of it from like a sports perspective they get into the huddle at critical time right uh you have uh, what is it like tunnel vision you can't see what your teammates can see sometimes when you're in the thick of things so sometimes you call a huddle 
they're like, listen, we need to change up. We can't keep moving in this direction. We're going to change it up and we're going to go this direction. And that's how you're going to reach your goal. And so those are the things that the huddle can do for you um, that you can't do on your own. They can give you a shift in perspective, um, a shift in the plan. They can help you to grow um, and nurt uh, nurture your relationship in a very safe place. Um, and so I just think it's important to surround ourselves. And also they give us accountability in our huddle. They're not going to let you backslide. Now, if you really got a huddle, they're going to stop you. Mm -hmm. uh, before they let you get too far, if you've got the right huddle around you. And so that accountability, um, they're going to not only keep you from backsliding, but they're going to push and propel you forward. They won't allow you to stay stagnant, um, whether it's in your faith, in relationship with God, or in life, pursuing your purpose. And so I think it's very um, critical. I think it's vital as, um, as a God girl that we surround ourselves with other God girls. Um, so but yeah, how do we find these? How do we find these God girls, April? Because are you talking about, you know, whenever I think traditionally you're thinking about, I gotta find, I've gotta find my my huddle of God girls. Are you talking about the deep girls? I mean, the can, can I see God on people? You mentioned traveling a lot. You know, I I can identify with that. I've probably lived in, you know, five or six different places within a three or four year period of time. How do I quickly find that huddle? And how do I know it's the right, you know, the right source for me? So I, I made a habit um, and I do it, I do it all the time um, where I pray uh, for friends. I pray for friends. I pray that, you know, I literally, it's not a crazy deep prayer, but I, you know, my prayer is Lord, you know where I'm going, you know, the season I'm going to be in while I'm there. So you, you know who I'm going to need while I'm there. So show me, you know, bring people across my path who are going to be for me and for you. Um, and I have always immediately found friends that way. But another way I do, um, that's the main way I pray for friends. I pray for God to bring friends my way where I am or in a season that I'm in. But the other thing that I do is I, I have found the confidence to lead with faith. So, you know, I was talking to you earlier about a lot of times I'll just say something about praying or something about, well, look at God, look at that blessing. Or, you know, I'll say something about something I read in my Bible. I just throw things like that out there because that is what lets people know me too. That makes mm -hmm. people feel so much more comfortable saying, oh, well, I'm doing this study and, you know, we talked about this or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I have found so many other God girls just by a simple one word or one liner that has something to do with my my personal walk with God. And because it's mine, because I'm not asking them anything about theirs, it's uh it's not there's no it's not a pressure situation. It's not an awkward situation. It's just this is this is me, you know. So I'll say, you know what? Mm -hmm. I, when I'm reading my Bible in the morning, I, I would say I could say something like, I've done this many times. Like you know, are you a, like, are you a tea or coffee person? Like, I love a cup of coffee when I'm re reading my Bible in the morning. Wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. So many times that con that conversation opens up so quickly. You know what? I used to read my Bible in the morning. I really need to get back to doing that. Or you know what? I can't read my Bible in the mornings, but I like to do it in the evening. I mean, the conversation just opens up immediately. Because it's, if, if you are a woman or a person of faith, it's a common 
you know, it's something you have in common that you now know is safe to talk about. But the more that we lead with faith, the easier those those conversations, you know, come about. And so with Beloved and Powers, are you, you're assembling women who could easily become a part of someone's circle or huddle, even if they haven't quite found anyone in their own personal, I guess, in their own personal environment. You've created an environment of women who are coming together, who want to walk out their faith and who want to make it a part of a simple, ongoing habit daily, these small faith habits that mm-hmm. can help them to grow. So how do how do people get to, to, to be a part of the Simply Faithful Life and what is um, their entryway into Beloved and Powers? Yeah, so, you know, it was very important for me to create a safe space. Um, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of safe spaces to authentically grow without having to hide anything in your faith. Um, a lot of times our faith journey becomes like a dirty little secret, right? Like Hmm. we don't want anyone to know where we came from or what, what we've been or done or, you know, our, our background or our history. And so that stifles, stifles our faith because we can't show up authentically. And so it was important to me that I created a space where you could come as yourself, literally like come as you are, but truthfully, <laughs> without having to hide, without any repercussions um, and, and having a safe place to ask questions and learn, you know, things that people assume, you know, how to read your Bible, you know, how to study, you know, how to, you know, things like that. I think a lot of times the fundamentals and the basics are assumed and then people don't grow because they were never I given an environment where they could say, I actually don't know what that means, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's the community I'm building on Beloved Empowered. I do, I'm um, creating an online hub right now that'll just be chock full of resources. Um, it's also linked to the Simply Faithful podcast, but the site is BelovedEmpowered.com. And that's where you can find um podcast episodes I have a free challenge called faith in motion to show you how to add some daily small faith habits in a very simple practical way where it just becomes a part of your day-to-day rhythm so you can start up walking out your faith in a personal relationship with God so you can find that free challenge on there as well um, and I have, a, I have a faith course coming up for those who really want to learn and grow um, to see growth and progress in their faith walk. And so, yeah. And then also, you know, I'm on social media. So at Beloved Empowers on any social media platform is where you can find me there. Wonderful. April, it's so critically important, I know for me, to have the holistic kind of thrive in my life. That means every area of my life. I just simply believe that that nowhere else other than you know, in our personal lives, would we, would there, would it be allowed to have one particular aspect of something that's totally out of sync? So for a business, I I can't see a business, you know, having their finances out of sync or having their, Mm -hmm. you know, their hiring practices out of sync in order for, to have this growth, I mean, and real sustainable growth, we need to thrive in every area of our lives. And that's why I'm so glad to be connected with you. When I show up with you, I know I'm showing up with someone who's going to help me 
walk out my faith in a very real and practical way. Now, I, I've got to give a plug for, for what we're doing coming up in March because we are coming together, you and I, to, to host, along with Colette Williams, uh, the Live Your More retreat. And it's a virtual retreat at, you know, for, for women. That's going to be the ultimate girls weekend away. I, you know, we'll talk a lot more about that as the weeks, you know, lead up to the retreat. But I wanted to talk to you about that right now in that the one thing that I believe that connection provides for me is knowing that I can be holistically connected, that this is something mm -hmm. that's concerning mm -hmm. my overall growth and development. So this, this live your more retreat is something that you've incorporated into the Simply Faithful lifestyle. So, so for example, I'm going to be on your podcast coming up and you asked a question, how do you live your more in an area of your faith. So mm -hmm. that meant to me, this whole thing I've been talking about, which is the thrive in X thriving exponentially. How do I live my more? How do I thrive exponentially in the area of my faith? And when you asked me that question, I really, I had a little difficulty answering it and I'm mm -hmm. still contemplating that. I I make sure I go to church. You know, we we're doing, you know, read your Bible and you know, having Bible study. But how do I make my faith? How do I live my more? How do I bring that faith to the glowing kind of abundantly faithful right. life that I think God requires of us? I, I believe He requires us to take everything he's deposited in us, every gift, every talent, every ability, every investment that he's made in us, it should grow. It should be, yeah. uh, how can I say, the light that shines in darkness, that light mm -hmm. of the world and the mm -hmm. salt of the earth. And mm -hmm. so as I began to contemplate that question that you gave to me, I started to think about how can I live my more in the area of my faith and my relationship with God so that I become light and salt. Right. And, and I think I, as I'm just really, I'm, I'm talking it through with you right now because I think I need to, I, I really want to process this, that living your more for me does not mean making sure I dot the I's and cross the T's That's and, right. and do the regimen. Mm -hmm. That's not living the more for me. Living the more for me would be being the salt and the light that the world needs to see. Absolutely. What would you recommend? What does it take for us, for you, to be able to be that person that shines and that, I guess, creates a savoring environment for other people? Yeah, I think, Stephanie, what it takes is, and you're going to talk about this on my podcast, but we're going to be talking about the courageous mindset. Mm -hmm. um, how many times in the Bible do you see do not fear? All over what it takes to shine your light in the middle of the darkness is to do it despite your surroundings, to, to do it despite your circumstances, to do it despite what what it appears may happen next. Um taking God at his word, standing 
securely in your faith. These are things um, that give you the courage to, to walk out your faith at all times. And so I think it's very important that when you realize this is what you, this is who you want to be, you want to be a light, you want to be the salt, you realize what does light do and what is, what is the purpose of salt? The purpose of salt is to enhance flavor, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if it's too much, which leads, leans over to like the uh, religious legalistic lifestyle that we're not called to do, then we're over salting. And we're pushing mm. people away. No one wants something over salted. That's good. But what you want to do is you want to be the salt that enhances their life experience with a relationship with God. Not a relationship with you or a church, but a relationship with God. And if we can show people how to do that, that is how we're being the salt of the world, uh, salt of the earth. And, you know, as far as being the light, what the light does is it, it, it uh, shows truth. Mm. Right? A lot of times we're scared in the dark because oh, I don't know what's right. around me. I can't, I'm hearing things. I don't know what it is. I, did I see something? I don't. So we uh, darkness tends to put us into a fearful place. It does. Um, but when we can shine the light on it, we can see actually there's nothing out there that's uh, so threatening that it can take me out. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. that's what God's word says. It can come at you. It's, it'll come at you and it'll attack you, but it, it can't have you. And they yeah. can't take you out, can't wipe you out. And that's what people need. They need to see the truth of God's word. And mm-hmm. so if we want to be a light, we want to be able to show people the truth of God's word. Right. And so. speaking truth, even when truth is not always accepted. That's the courageous kind of life. April, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast uh, t- today. And, you know, thank you for allowing me to spend some time just walking out my thoughts so that I could come to an understanding. When people get to the end of this podcast, they're going to see that you were ministering to me so that you could help me discover how to live my more and what living my more um, meant, what it means in my life. And I hope and no, I, I know that you're going to be able to help so many other people with beloved and powers, with living that simply faithful lifestyle. You're the light and you're the salt that we need. So thank you for coming. And I look forward to more and more times that you come back. You'll come back, right? On the, oh, I'll come back, Stephanie. I'll definitely absolutely. be back. Thank you so much. And thank you all for coming and joining us on the Thrive NX podcast, where we help you to thrive in every area of your life. We've been talking with April Jarrett, the founder of Beloved Empowers. Join us again on the Thrive NX podcast, where we help you to grow, where we help you to live your courageous life and thrive, no matter what environment you're in, no matter what challenges you face, you're called to thrive. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Thrive NX Podcast with your host, Dr. Stephanie Hampton Cradle. Subscribe to Thrive NX and be courageous about living the Thrive Life.